Chapters 44 and 45 of A House of Gentle Folk by Ivan Turgenev. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 44 The following day was Sunday. The sound of bells ringing for early mass did not wake Lavretsky. He had not closed his eyes all night. But it reminded him of another Sunday, when at Lisa's desire he had gone to church. He got up hastily, some secret voice told him that he would see her there today. He went noiselessly out of the house, leaving a message for Varvara Pavlovna that he would be back for dinner, and with long strides he made his way in the direction in which the monotonously mournful bells were calling him. He arrived early. There was scarcely anyone in the church. A deacon was reading the service in the choir, the measured drone of his voice, sometimes broken by a cough, fell and rose at even intervals. Lavretsky placed himself not far from the entrance. Worshippers came in one by one, stopped, crossed themselves, and bowed in all directions. Their steps rang out in the empty, silent church, echoing back distinctly under the arched roof. An infirm poor little old woman, in a worn-out cloak, with a hood, was on her knees near Lavretsky, praying assiduously. Her toothless, yellow, wrinkled face expressed intense emotion. Her red eyes were gazing fixedly upwards at the holy figures on the iconostasis. Her bony hand was constantly coming out from under her cloak, and slowly and earnestly making a great sign of the cross. A peasant, with a bushy beard and a surly face, dishevelled and unkempt, came into the church and at once fell on both knees and began directly crossing himself in haste, bending back his head with a shake after each prostration. Such bitter grief was expressed in his face and in all his actions that Lavretsky made up his mind to go up to him and ask him what was wrong. The peasant timidly and morosely started back, looked at him. My son is dead, he articulated quickly and again fell to bowing to the earth. What could replace the consolations of the church to them? thought Lavretsky and he tried himself to pray, but his heart was hard and heavy, and his thoughts were far away. He kept expecting Lisa, but Lisa did not come. The church began to be full of people, but still she was not there. The service commenced, the deacon had already read the gospel, they began ringing for the last prayer. Lavretsky moved a little forward and suddenly caught sight of Lisa. She had come before him, but he had not seen her. She was hidden in a recess between the wall and the choir, and neither moved nor looked round. Lavretsky did not take his eyes off her till the very end of the service. He was saying farewell to her. The people began to disperse, but she still remained. It seemed as though she were waiting for Lavretsky to go out. At last she crossed herself for the last time, and went out, there was only a maid with her, not turning round. Lavretsky went out of the church after her, and overtook her in the street. 
She was walking very quickly with downcast head and a veil over her face. "'Good morning, Lizaveta Mikhailovna,' he said aloud with assumed carelessness. "'May I accompany you?' She made no reply. He walked beside her. "'Are you content with me?' he asked her, dropping his voice. "'Have you heard what happened yesterday?' "'Yes, yes,' she replied in a whisper. "'That was well.' And she went still more quickly. "'Are you content?' Lisa only bent her head in assent. "'Fyodor Ivanch,' she began in a calm but faint voice, "'I wanted to beg you not to come to see us any more. Go away as soon as possible. We may see each other again later, sometime, in a year. But now do this for my sake. Fulfill my request, for God's sake. I am ready to obey you in everything, Lizaveta Mikhailovna, but are we really to part like this?' Will you not say one word to me? Fyodor Ivanovich, you are walking near me now, but already you are so far from me, and not only you, but... Speak out, I entreat you, cried Lavretsky. What do you mean? You will hear, perhaps, but whatever it may be, forget. No, do not forget. Remember me. <laughs> me forget you? That's enough. Goodbye. Do not come after me. Lisa, Lavretsky was beginning. Goodbye. Goodbye, she repeated, pulling her veil still lower and almost running forward. Lavretsky looked after her and, with bowed head, turned back along the street. He stumbled up against Lem, who was also walking along with his eyes on the ground and his hat pulled down to his nose. They looked at one another without speaking. "'Well, what have you to say?' Lavretsky brought out at last. "'What have I to say?' returned Lem grimly. "'I have nothing to say. All is dead, and we are dead. Alles ist tot, und wir sind tot.' "'So you are going to the right, are you?' "'Yes.' "'And I to the left. Goodbye.' The following morning Fedor Ivanitch set off with his wife for Lavriki. She drove in front in the carriage with Ada and Justine, he behind in the coach. The pretty little girl did not move away from the window the whole journey. She was astonished at everything. The peasants, the women, the whales, the yokes over the horses' heads, the bells and the flocks of crows. Justine shared her wonder. Varvara Pavlovna laughed at their remarks and exclamations. She was in excellent spirits. Before leaving the town, she had come to an explanation with her husband. "'I understand your position,' she said to him, and from the look in her subtle eyes he was able to infer that she understood his position fully. "'But you must do me at least this justice, that I am easy to live with. I will not fetter you or hinder you, I wanted to secure others' future. I want nothing more. Well, you have obtained your object, observed Fedor Ivanitch. I only dream of one thing now, to hide myself for ever in obscurity. I shall remember your goodness always. Enough of that, he interrupted. And I shall know how to respect your independence and tranquillity, she went on, completing the phrases she had prepared. Lavretsky made her a low bow. Varvara Pavlovna 
then believed her husband was thanking her in his heart on the evening of the next day they reached lavriki a week later lavretsky set off for moscow leaving his wife five thousand roubles for her household expenses and the day after lavretsky's departure panshin made his appearance varvara pavlovna had begged him not to forget her in her solitude she gave him the best possible reception and till a late hour of the night the lofty apartments of the house and even the garden re-echoed with the sound of music singing and lively french talk for three days varvara pavlovna entertained panshin when he took leave of her warmly pressing her lovely hands he promised to come back very soon and he kept his word chapter forty five lisa had a room to herself on the second story of her mother's house a clean bright little room with a little white bed with pots of flowers in the corners and before the windows a small writing-table a bookstand and a crucifix on the wall it was always called the nursery lisa had been born in it when she returned from the church where she had seen lavretsky she set everything in her room in order more carefully than usual dusted it everywhere looked through and tied up with ribbon all her copy-books and the letters of her girlfriends shut up all the drawers watered the flowers and caressed every blossom with her hand all this she did without haste noiselessly with a kind of rapt and gentle solicitude on her face she stopped at last in the middle of the room slowly looked round and going up to the table above which the crucifix was hanging she fell on her knees dropped her head on to her clasped hands and remained motionless marfa timofevna came in and found her in this position lisa did not observe her entrance the old lady stepped out on tiptoe and coughed loudly several times outside the door lisa rose quickly and wiped her eyes which were bright with unshed tears ah i see you have been setting your cell to rights again observed marfa timofevna and she bent low over a young rose-tree in a pot how nice it smells lisa looked thoughtfully at her aunt how strange you should use that word she murmured what word eh the old lady returned quickly what do you mean this is horrible she began suddenly flinging off her cap and sitting down on lisa's little bed it is more than i can bear this is the fourth day now that i have been boiling over inside i can't pretend not to notice any longer i can't see you getting pale and fading away and weeping i can't i can't why what's the matter auntie said lisa it's nothing nothing cried marfa timofevna you may tell that to others but not to me nothing who was on her knees just this minute and whose eyelashes are still wet with tears nothing indeed why look at yourself what have you done with your face what has become of your eyes nothing do you suppose i don't know all it will pass off auntie give me time 
it will pass off but when good god merciful saviour can you have loved him like this why he's an old man lisa darling there i don't dispute he's a good fellow no harm in him but what of that we are all good people the world is not so small there will be always plenty of that commodity i tell you it will all pass away it has all passed away already listen lisa darling what i am going to say to you marfa timofevna said suddenly making lisa sit beside her and straightening her hair and her neckerchief it seems to you now in the midst of the worst of it that nothing can ever heal your sorrow ah my darling the only thing that can't be cured is death you only say to yourself now i won't give in to it so there and you'll be surprised yourself how soon how easily it will pass off only have patience auntie returned lisa it has passed off already it is all over passed how has it passed why your poor little nose has grown sharp already and you say it is over a fine way of getting over it yes it is over auntie if you will only try to help me lisa declared with sudden animation and she flung herself on marfa timofevna's neck dear auntie be a friend to me help me don't be angry understand me why what is it what is it my good girl don't terrify me please i shall scream directly don't look at me like that tell me quickly what is it i i want lisa hid her face on marfa timofevna's bosom i want to go into a convent she articulated faintly the old lady almost bounded off the bed cross yourself my girl lisa dear think what you're saying what are you thinking of god have mercy on you she stammered at last lie down my darling sleep a little all this comes from sleeplessness my dearie lisa raised her head her cheeks were glowing no auntie she said don't speak like that i have made up my mind i prayed i asked counsel of god all is at an end my life with you is at an end such a lesson was not for nothing and it is not the first time that i have thought of it happiness was not for me even when i had hopes of happiness my heart was always heavy i knew all my own sins and those of others and how papa made our fortune i know it all for all that there must be expiation i am sorry for you sorry for mamma for lenotchka but there is no help i feel that there is no living here for me i have taken leave of all i have greeted everything in the house for the last time something calls to me i am sick at heart i want to hide myself away forever do not hinder me do not dissuade me help me or else i must go away alone marfa timofevna listened to her niece with horror she is ill she is raving she thought we must send for a doctor but for which one 
Gideonovsky was praising one the other day. He always tells lies, but perhaps this time he spoke the truth. But when she was convinced that Lisa was not ill and was not raving, when she was constantly made the same answer to all her expostulations, Marfa Timofeyevna was alarmed and distressed in earnest. But you don't know, my darling, she began to reason with her, what a life it is in those convents why they would feed you my own on green hemp oil and they would put you in the coarsest linen and make you go about in the cold you will never be able to bear all that lisa darling all this is agafya's doing she led you astray but then you know she began by living and lived for her own pleasure you must live too at least let me die in peace and then do as you like and who has ever heard of such a thing for the sake of such a for the sake of a goat's beard god forgive us for the sake of a man to go into a convent why if you are so sick at heart go on a pilgrimage offer prayers to some saint have a te deum sung but don't put the black hood on your head my dear creature my good girl and marfa timofevna wept bitterly lisa comforted her wiped away her tears and wept herself but remained unshaken in her despair marfa timofevna had recourse to threats to tell her mother all about it but that too was of no avail only at the old lady's most earnest entreaties lisa agreed to put off carrying out her plan for six months marfa timofevna was obliged to promise in return that if within six months she did not change her mind she would herself help her and would do all she could to gain maria dmitrievna's consent in spite of her promise to bury herself in seclusion at the first approach of cold weather varvara pavlovna having provided herself with funds removed to petersburg where she took a modest but charming set of apartments found for her by panshin who had left the o district a little before during the latter part of his residence in o he had completely lost maria dmitrievna's good graces he had suddenly given up visiting her and scarcely stirred from lavriki varvara pavlovna had enslaved him literally enslaved him no other word can describe her boundless irresistible unquestioned sway over him lavretsky spent the winter in moscow and in the spring of the following year the news reached him that lisa had taken the veil in the b convent in one of the remote parts of russia end of chapters 44 and 45.